what, what happened? Yeah. What are you doing here? What's going on, Bill? I can't say the words on BYU TV that I want to right now regarding that. Just don't tweet at Jerem Jordan 2, right? Not to your burner yeah, account? That, yeah, that's my burner account. <laughs> I hate assessing others' motives, so I never want to be a bishop. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. And it is our pleasure now to welcome in on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline, Eric Edholm, Yahoo Sports lead NFL draft analyst. Eric, welcome to BYU Sports Nation. Oh, thank you for having me, boys. Hope everything's great out there. You guys should be enjoying life right now, right? Uh, that we are. Top 10 ranking for BYU undefeated. And Zach Wilson is flying up NFL draft boards. So let's start there. When I say the name Zach Wilson, Eric, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Yeah, I mean, he caught everybody's attention a couple of years ago and, you know, all the, you know, Mormon Manziel stuff. And, and he was such an exciting player that freshman year. You kind of wondered what his ceiling would be. And, you know, with the, you know, coming off the offseason surgery and the injury last year, it kind of marred him a little bit. But it was interesting kind of getting a perspective on him this summer. You know, and scouts still remember 2018. They, they saw the flash plays, uh, you know, in doses last year. So he came into this year with a pretty good standing in NFL circles, not the first round, not the top 10 stuff that we're talking about now, because he's clearly taking his game to a new level. The confidence is sky high. The arm talent is there. The playmaking, uh, you know, improvisational stuff he does. He's just such a fun quarterback to watch guys and very much in the mold of that dual threat quarterback. That's kind of all the rage now. Yeah, and he can run. He's not running a ton, but he's scoring touchdowns when he's running. Eight on the year, uh, tied for first, I believe, among all quarterbacks in FBS. And it's not just that BYU's winning and you get noticed, although that's a big deal, right? It's also that he's playing a certain way, and and he's crazy efficient against competition that BYU should probably beat, but BYU's beating up fools, including Boise State on the road. That, That had to impress people as well. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I said on Twitter, I said, you know, he's been everything this year that we wanted Jordan Love from Utah State to be last year. I felt like, you know, there was so much excitement coming into the season. He didn't quite match the hype. There was obviously a sort of a talent deficiency for Love, but not the case for Wilson. He's using his receivers, his tight ends. Rex is a good young player, as you guys know. You know, spreading the ball around all three levels of the field. Uh, you know, and I think really the biggest thing too is he's getting the time. There were times when I felt like he took some sacks in the in the past, and you know maybe didn't hang in there as well against pressure. I haven't seen that this year. I think he's been tremendous in that regard. Eric, if the NFL draft were to happen tomorrow, where would you put Zach Wilson going, and to which team? Yeah, so I we do uh, now this sort of weekly snapshot of the top five of the draft. Just instead of a, a full mock draft, I don't have the energy or the time to do those every <laughs> single week, but give people a snapshot of what the top of the draft is looking like and, and what, what could happen. I put Trevor Lawrence one, I put Justin Fields two, and after a couple teams that really you know might not need quarterbacks, I had the Washington football team taking Zach at number five. The mock before that, I had him number six of the Vikings, so... You know, the draft order's changing. It doesn't mean he's, you know, necessarily rising or falling or whatever. Every week's going to give us a little bit of a different picture. And the offseason, free agency and everything else can change that as well. So it takes that quarterback needy team. But at this point, I mean, if he keeps this trajectory or doesn't fall off, I would assume top 10 is 
is feeling pretty good at this point. He might be some team's quarterback number two behind Lawrence. That's pretty incredible considering that last year we were talking about a kid that uh, coming off shoulder surgery didn't have the arm strength that he uh, did before, and then he breaks his thumb in game five. He he can't grip the ball at the end of the season. Was it just him getting healthy? I mean, what what are you seeing that has made this quantum leap for him in his junior year? Yeah, obviously, you have to factor in the health there to see, you know, a couple games where he had multiple interceptions uh, before the injury and then after when he came back. And so, you know, it was just this sort of uncertainty about was he playing too recklessly? Was the injury a major factor? You know, how much of that do we weigh in? There's been no evidence of that so far. So you have to imagine that, you know, he regained and maybe even added some of that arm strength. He's always had the arm talent. I know there's a subtle difference between the two, but... Uh, now he seems to be throwing, you know, to all three levels with touch, with, you know, a little bit of steam behind it when he needs to. Um, and then those those perfect in-between passes as well. I mean, it, it's been fun to watch. I kind of joke, too, that some of his best passes have been incomplete passes. Those are the ones <laughs> that get me the most excited. It's amazing. Eric, get home with the Sun, BYU Sports Nation. Eric, if you were to look at Zach Wilson and pinpoint something that he needs to work on, what's the case against Zach Wilson for not being as good as Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields? Yeah, I mean, sometimes that freewheeling style can work against you. And, and honestly, this last game, I mean, even though statistically it was very impressive, you know, there were some still some throws that he probably left on the field a little bit. He took some of the sacks like that. You know, that fourth down play or whatever, I don't think is a big deal. But there were a couple where I think he should have obviously thrown the ball away, you know, try to find a way out of that pressure there. That's that's still going to come. This guy isn't going to waltz into the NFL uh, and light up scoreboards every single week from week one. You know, depending on which staff he ends up with, you know, they might try to tighten up some of his mechanics. But, you know, like I had a coach ask me a couple years ago when Mahomes was coming out, he said, sometimes you just – you don't want to sort of reel the stallion in. You want to let him roam free and do what he does best. So there's only so much of that stuff that you can clean up without sort of, you know, roboticizing the quarterback and making them too mechanical. Stallion, stud, all the horse analogies. Let's just keep them going, right? (laughs) I love it. Yeah. Especially after the boy Statewood. We love that. Let's look at some of the (laughs) other guys on the team. Brady Christensen feels like he's the next best NFL prospect. What do you think of Brady Christensen? Where does he fit among the BYU NFL prospects? Yeah, I would say he's probably right up there among their top guys. And, and you know, it's been fun to watch him with such, I don't know, light feet, soft feet, quiet feet. That's really how I would describe it. His pass blocking efficiency has been outstanding. I know he's had a couple of penalties this year. I haven't gotten to look at him beyond about three games. But what I've seen has been pretty impressive. So, you know, I think he came into the year with a healthy amount of, you know, intrigue. But I wouldn't say that you know, necessarily people were thinking, okay, this is a potential, you know, starting left tackle. So his draft stock probably still up in the air a little bit. It's a good year for tackles. You know, last year was a good year. This year, I think, again, is going to be pretty good as well. So seeing how that all kind of shakes out will ultimately decide his final grade. But, you know, if you told me day two, somewhere in the middle of that range right there, rounds two and three in the draft, it wouldn't stun me at all. Zach Wilson's stats have been, to say the least, eye-popping. But right there with him are his two emerging receivers. When you look at pro football focus, they are in the top four of the most catches of 15-plus down the field. They are up there in yards. Dax Milne has 803. These guys were very much off the radar of NFL scouts. So how much are they benefiting from a season like this? And is it good enough to get them onto NFL radars? 
Yeah, I mean, Dax has really kind of caught my eye. I mean, he's got that kind of little suddenness about him. I don't know that he, I don't know what his testing numbers are going to be. You know, I don't ultimately know, you know, what his his time is going to be in in the testing drills and all that. But, you know, his, his subtlety and his subtleness, I mean, and his uh, suddenness, excuse me, have really been impressive. You know, and just Gunner adding that deep threat, I think, has been important, right? Where you, you really can have those concepts that, we see teams play so much zone against them. They're afraid of the running threat. You know, they want to keep everything in front of them. It makes sense. But you have a guy who can take the top off a of defense, and then you also have the intermediate targets as well. You know, that really opens things up. So, you know, what Dax Milne's NFL draft stock is right now, I, I haven't asked enough people to give you a, a great number. And I believe he has one more year left, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, so, but but certainly an emerging player. And, you know, it'll be an interesting decision for him, too. You know, obviously not knowing whether he'll get the same level of quarterbacking after after Zach leaves, mm. uh, presumably. Yeah, plus seven power fives after perhaps one in the New Year's Six, maybe. Uh, different kind of schedule as well. Let's look at a couple of yeah. other guys who are seniors and probably not expected to come back. Uh, Kyrus Tonga, defensive tackle, and the tight end Matt Bushman, who is out for the year with an Achilles. Yeah, I mean, let's start with Bushman just because, you know, the injury history, you can't ignore it. It's been a big part of his story. You know, it was obviously, you know, so sorry to see him have to go through that there. But there's still some fans in the NFL community. I mean, there are a lot of people. He probably got, I would say, the second highest grades behind Tonga um, as far as, you know, the the summer grades were concerned. Kind of on that late draftable range uh, in that in that area. Not a not a massive guy for tight end, but tall, good arm length, you know that sort of thing. Great, you know, touch and feel can do a little blocking as well. But I think ultimately the injuries are going to be a huge concern. He's got to show to NFL teams that he's healthy. But you know, Tonga really interests me too because he seems to have for for a big, stout, kind of compact, short guy, a lot of the quickness you're looking for, that finishing ability. And you know, I I really I watched the the Tennessee game last year uh, coming into the season was pretty impressed with him. Uh, you know, maybe that that nose tackle is is you know the traditional sort of run stuffing nose tackle is dying a little bit in the NFL, but I think he can do both. I thought his 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 play in the in the backfield last year was the kind of burst you want to see from a, from a guy who weighs you know three hundred twenty three hundred thirty pounds. Eric, besides Brady Christensen, what type of exposure is the BYU offensive line getting overall, like center James Empey, who's been a little bit banged up, but he too has good grades from pro football focus, and Chandon Herring, among others. How is this benefiting other guys on the offensive line? Yeah, Tristan Hogue coming back as well, obviously switching schools too. You want to get a little more information on him. But, you know, this is the kind of thing where Wilson can have, you know, the the Heisman candidacy-type season and it reflects so well on the offensive line. They're, they're certainly going to be one of the, you know, five or six, I would assume, finalists for the Joe Moore Award, the best offensive line in the nation. Now, whether they win it, I don't know. But that's the kind of thing a breakout season from Wilson can have as an effect on the entire program. It shines a light on, wow, these guys are pass protecting really well. When they do run the football, they're making good contact. You know, Harry has some positional versatility there. Right tackle, he's played right guard. You know, Hogue obviously has a good little pedigree behind him. I think he has his fans as well. Empey's sort of seen as that smart, reliable center. Uh, those guys, you know, tend to be on the, the cusp of being drafted or not. But I think all three will be considered, you know, possible draft picks. And, you know, certainly people that will be on NFL rosters whenever they do come out in, in the case of the underclassmen. 
And let's finish with this. BYU hasn't had a, a ton of uh, draft picks in the secondary recently, but there's a couple of guys that perhaps may make it into the draft or undrafted free agents. And safety Troy Warner and cornerback Chris Wilcox. What do you think of those two guys? Well, first of all, speaking of injuries and coming back, I mean, obviously, Troy's story, you know, the, the kind of the freak foot injury, the multiple surgeries, you know, people may know the last name. Obviously, Fred Warner, who's emerging as one of the best, you know, off-the-ball playmakers in the NFL with the 49ers. You know, his brother has had to go the long route to get to this point. But in a lot of ways, I mean, he's sort of been their, you know, they're one of their most valuable guys. And he, I think, has at least risen into that draft perspective where he probably came into the year with undrafted grades by most teams just because of the injury concern. And, you know, I think fifth-year senior, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but now I think he might be entering that day three mix. And Chris Wilcox is a kind of a longer corner who's got some intrigue there. Uh, Anderson obviously has, has gotten some, some looks as well, probably more of an undrafted type. But, you know, it, it's, it's surprising how much talent they have on defense. There, there may not be a, a first-round pick among them. But, you know, with Tonga, Warner, uh, Kafusi, Zach Daw. You know, you may see like six guys from this group end up on NFL rosters next year. Eric, it's so great to discuss multiple BYU Cougars with you, especially <laughs> knowing that BYU hasn't had multiple players drafted in about a decade, if not a little bit wow. more. So we think this will be the year. Um, safe to say that BYU is going to have multiple draft picks this season? I think so. Yeah, the way it's trending. I mean, uh, you know, unless one of these guys surprises and stays in school or there's a major injury, you can count on Wilson. You can count on Tonga, you know, uh, assuming Christensen uh, gets drafted as well. And I think fairly highly. So we're looking at a minimum of three and more likely, you know, in that four to five range, if, if one or two of those other guys come through. So this is, yeah, it's exciting for you. And it's exciting for the, the draft community too, who, you know, knows how many great players have come out of the program. Eric, we enjoy your stuff on Yahoo Sports and encourage all of our fans to go and read it, man. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you again soon. All right. Thank you, fellas. See you. You got it, Eric. Head home on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why. We show how. That was an excellent breakdown. Very thorough. We hit almost everybody, right? I've now. only been able to watch three games of Brady Christensen, so That's I've got it? some more work That's to do That's awesome. There. Yeah, pretty good. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. It is time now for the Rootables, presented by Bodyguards Protection for a Life Worth Living. Learn more at Bodyguards.com. Each and every week, we take a look at all of the other teams that are playing around BYU football and determine which teams to root for in light of helping BYU and their national status. Very Jason, selfish segment, which absolutely. I very much enjoy. I enjoy that. We're, we're the most selfish segment on BYU sports. For BYU. Nation. It's selfish towards BYU. I like it. I okay. like it. My number one rootable this week okay. is Sneaky Boston College taking on Notre Dame. This game will be played in Chestnut Hill, home of the Eagles, and Notre Dame is coming off Arguably their biggest win in the last 22 years, Jason. They just took down number one Clemson. There is often that lull after a huge win, and they got to go on the road. And remember, Boston College was the team that pushed Clemson at Clemson yes. all the way to yes. the wire. This is a trap game, if there ever were a trap game for Notre Dame. Boston College, by beating Notre Dame, could restore order to the college football world. 
and essentially knock Notre Dame out of any college football playoff consideration and thus help BYU not just maybe rise in the rankings a little bit, but add to the Cougars' growing flame of hope for a college football playoff spot. Okay, that's a good one. I am going to go with East Carolina at number 7, Cincinnati. For me... I don't see this happening. No, East Carolina is a 27.5 point underdog. <laughs> but I'm going to root my heart out for <laughs> East Carolina to somehow upset Cincinnati. Look, okay. and in all of the national conversations, Cincinnati and BYU are being lumped together for obvious reasons. You have the G5, you have the independent, they're being lumped together. So anything that would provide some separation mm-hmm. between Cincinnati and BYU, who are right there neck and neck, right next to each other in the polls, I think that would be a good thing. Maybe a close game? It is extremely unfair. Unlikely yeah. that the Pirates can take down the Bearcats, but that is the team I will be rooting for. What if it's a close game? Maybe it gets weird. Maybe that, that affects some voters, right? Maybe, but BYU had, at least from a score standpoint, one close game, and it didn't. They still moved up to. Well, UTSA is four and four and formidable to a degree. This is one and five East Carolina. Look, we really need to hope that East Carolina don't. See uh, it also, some games to keep an eye on: Virginia Tech hosting Miami. The Hokies are a two-point favorite in that. Miami's number nine. Like, you want the teams right behind BYU to lose as well, to take some pressure off? That's one to keep an eye on. Michigan State, Indiana, another. All right, BYU clearly on a bye. We've talked about it ad nauseum, but we will never take a day off in promoting Zach Wilson's Heisman Trophy campaign. Yes, today's... Strike that pose. It's time for another Wilson for Heisman update. All right, today's Zach Wilson Heisman update features a set of stats... That tells us just how good Zach is this year. Wilson is top five in the following stat categories via pro football focus. <laughs> top five in completion percentage, mm-hmm. yards, mm-hmm. yards per attempt, okay. touchdowns, All right. offensive rating, yep. and passer rating, which, by the way, he is ranked first in the country. That's really good. Cha-ching. All of that is money and potential future big money for Zach <laughs> yes. Wilson. Holy cow, his completion percentage 74.5, Jason, 2,500-plus yards. But the passer rating, 94.2. It's insanely good. Yeah. His passing efficiency, 201. He, he is pacing to compete with Joe Burrow's NCAA record. That's how good it has been. Just the fact that he's being mentioned in categories, being compared to Joe Burrow, is... A compliment beyond belief in and of itself. Well, and to be fair to that conversation, Zach isn't exactly on par with Joe Burrow, but when you look at the numbers and we compare these because we're trying to get an idea of what it takes to win the Heisman Trophy and be the number one pick, it's pretty remarkable that Zach's even close to those numbers. I know. We are a go for Top 5 Tuesday. On topic, the top five plays from BYU's dominating, historic, validating win at Boise State, presented by Tim Daly Ford, part of the Tim Daly Auto Group, serving Utah since 1968. Number five, Zach Wilson to Dax Milne. All right, here we go. Short boot. Throw down the right side for Mill, and he makes another great catch. The defender didn't see the ball. Dax did it. Dax doing what Dax does. He had 99 yards on the night on three grabs. Number four. Give me that ball after a Kyrus smash. Never let him throw. Steps up, climbs, tucks, takes off. Oh, fumble forced, and the Cougars have it. BYU recovers at the 34-yard line. 
Boise State's Cade Finnegan scrambling up the middle and wishes he hadn't. Kyrus Tonga, forced fumble. Keenan Peely takes possession. Peely was good in this game, man. Number three, a Gunner Romney sandwich. A play action. Caught in traffic inside the one. Gunner Romney, as you called him in the postgame, the best receiver in the country between the twos. <laughs> We got to get him a black in the, jacket. We got to get him in the end zone. They took a hard hit, by the way. Number two, Tyler Algier goes 86 yards in top gear. And then to Tyler Algier. Algier has it up and has a hole. Algier is on his way. He's pounding the blue, and he's headed for Pater all the way for a score. That's right. Aaron goes with pounding the blue. Thank you to the Empire for the accidental assistance. 12 on 11, baby. Can't wait to see this play in Lego. Love yeah. you, Jared Jacobs. Yeah, Jared coming at me on IG last night. Let's go, baby. And number one, Dax Milne makes another spectacular catch. Wilson rolls. Feels the pressure. Deep heave. And what a catch made. Shy of the 40, Dax Milne. 38 yards, first down on third down there. Leads to the game-winning score on the first drive of the second half. What a throw. What a catch. Dax Milne catches everything, man. I love how nonchalant he is. All right, let's go. First down. Yeah, Dax Dax is the man. And what a throw by Zach. I mean, that's on his highlight reel. Those are the top five plays from the Boise State game. Dax is getting some notice by NFL scouts, too. You better believe it. That's pretty awesome for a kid that was a walk-on to go to uh, NFL potential. Yeah. The Patriots will grab him out. How about that? It feels perfect. <laughs> All right. Today's rise and shout out combined effort presented by Mountain America Credit Union guiding you forward. To the veterans, hear what BYU football has to say to you. To the veterans on Veterans Day, I would just say just thank you so much for your service. The things that you do are, are one of a kind. And um, I think about the sacrifices that you make, and it's one that affects every single one of us. I want to say thank you for your guys' service. I'm just so grateful for you guys protecting our country and protecting our freedom. And I wouldn't miss an opportunity to, to ha- make a shout-out to the veterans. Uh, my Uncle Glenn, good work out there, dude. You're a beast. Uh, and, and I just I thank all the veterans out there for, for protecting us and allowing us to play this game. I'd like to give a shout-out to uh, both my brothers, Justin and Clayton Batty, who both serve, serve in the Army National Guard, and to the rest of the veterans for the time spent in the service of this country. I just want to say thank you to all, all of you who have served or are currently serving um, because without you, we wouldn't be able to experience the freedoms that we have in this country and we wouldn't be able to live the, the amazing lives that we do. Without our veterans and the service that they put into us, we would not have, into our country, we would not have the freedom we have. And yeah, I respect them. They are the most brave people in the world. Thank you guys for everything that you've done for us in this country. Your service doesn't go unnoticed. I just want to thank all the, all the veterans out there especially uh, my grandpa, Doug Empey, uh, for serving our country and, and standing up for, for our rights and for our freedom. Thank you. Just shout out to all those veterans and all those who have served you know, this country and, and given us the freedoms that we have today. You know, we appreciate you guys and your service. Thank you so much for all your service and all you do. Uh, we, we love this nation and we play for you, so thank you. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. 
This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Zach Wilson on the rise again. Jerem, you often say, hey, it's one guy's opinion. Only this time on Zach Wilson. Beware the, yeah, the one dude saying the one It's thing. like 50 guys' opinions led off by Todd McShay of ESPN and Mel Kuyper of ESPN, Dane Brugler, not to mention Gil Brandt, former VP of personnel for the Dallas Cowboys, who just joined that conversation and said Zach Wilson's a first-round talent. All these guys are saying Zach Kendrick Wilson Perkins. is a first-round draft pick talent. Jeremy, what is your reaction to the latest uh, from a growing list of national pundits saying that Zach Wilson is a first-round draft pick? It's pretty awesome, right? When's the last time BYU had someone in this conversation? Was it Steve Young? Well, John Beck was in the conversation. But they weren't, they weren't, there weren't all these mocks about John in the first. No. You know what I mean? Yeah. Did the internet even exist 10 years ago? I can't remember. Zach Wilson right now is probably the hottest quarterback uh, prospect for BYU since Steve Young. I mean, it's, it's insane, right? And Steve goes number one to the USFL. Luckily, he wasn't drafted by a uh, you know, certain team. But anyway, he ends up on the Niners, whatever. This is crazy, right? This is awesome. Uh, Zach Wilson goes from uh, he can't grip the ball and BYU scores three points against San Diego State to first-round pick uh, potential in 11 months. I mean, what a year it's been for not only Zach Wilson, but BYU football. It's just been an incredible turnaround. For those who say it takes time to build something, I say, no, it doesn't. Costco's go up in like eight months. This is what BYU football has done, right? Well, you got to build. and no, no, what no. BYU can, basketball did last yes, season. You can go from no NIT to top 15. You can go from seven and six to number eight in the country, right? BYU's ranking is higher than its win total last year. This is fun, right? We'll see where Zach goes. Zach's gone, by the way. Zach is gone. He he has he has one foot out the door. You know what I mean? He's gonna he's gonna play this season and hopefully BYU goes to and wins a New Year's six. And Zach Wilson is out of here, baby. And it's awesome because being great is always good. If it means you leave early, it's the cost of business. It's not just draft projections. It's also Heisman Trophy projections. Yeah, and it feels totally. like every national analyst has Zach somewhere between three and six on the Heisman big board. If Which that's is fair thing. for a non-Power 5 player. That's just, that's just how it is. He's not going to be number one. It's incredible what good health combined with his already in place work ethic and study habits will produce on the field. And we're going to find out from Blaine Fowler, who played quarterback at BYU during the national championship year, why Zach Wilson has taken this major leap forward. We're going to get into the nitty gritty. Like why has he done this this year? And you forgot one part of this whole conversation is a schedule that was conducive to a lot of passing yards as well. Right. I think if Zach plays a tougher schedule, he still looks really good, but there have been no power fives. There have been no teams that are in the top 20 to 30 at this juncture. Boise State kind of falls out of that. Hopefully they climb in. That helped as well. I'm not saying it's the primary factor. I'm just saying we need to acknowledge that. Why did so-and-so go into the weight room and put up way more reps on the bench than they did before? Because there was less weight on the, on the bench. They are stronger. They have built up to this. This is, a, this is three years in the making for Zach in this offense, right? And Dax and, and Gunner and Neil and Brady Christian. This is a three-year project. We're seeing the, the uh, capstone, if you will, for Zach Wilson and his offense. Yeah, Zach Wilson has been at the forefront of the BYU conversation since September 19th. Remember, if you rewind to game number one against Navy, it was more about the BYU offensive line. 
and the running game. Right. It wasn't a bad. Zach was just kind of like a secondary storyline in that game, which makes this even more remarkable. It wasn't like he jumped onto the scene in game number one. It was like, oh, Zach Wilson. Right. He started to really. 300 yards. uh Uh-huh. He started to make himself really known when BYU played Troy and Louisiana Tech. And then that hype train, the Heisman hype train, really got rolling. But it's funny that it, it wasn't against Navy. Like, it wasn't this opening scene with Kirk Herbstreit and Reese Davis there, but he's been consistently incredible. And he had a good game against Navy. He just was a secondary story. So, really, we've seen the rise, Jerem, not since September 7th. It's been since September 26th. It's been – this has been going on for, what, six weeks, seven weeks? Yeah, He's seven gone weeks from – In a row. No, nowhere – on a, a real scheme of being drafted in the first two days to now he's a lock for a first-round pick in seven weeks. Another part of this is that BYU has played the last seven weeks. Is BYU, BYU's got to be one of the only teams, maybe a handful, that have played the last seven weeks. That's what I'm saying. Let's, it's crazy that they've been able to pull that off. Yeah, just playing at all, let alone winning, let alone playing really well. Um, it's all gone nearly perfectly for BYU. I mean, what hasn't gone Extremely well right now. Everything's been pretty awesome. Uh, BYU's been pretty healthy. Uh, BYU's won every game. BYU's won every game but one, convincingly. And uh, that's incredible. Everything's great. It's the Lego movie. Everything Everything is is awesome. awesome. Everything is cool when you're part of a team. This team that is built up to this moment. You can hear Isaac Wood all the way from the SAB. That's why I put on the oversized Lego head in Boise on the show live. So I could... Really bring that to... Was it uh, Okay, maybe not. <laughs> Just kidding. Maybe it fit perfectly. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It, it, everything is awesome. Yeah. Uh, and through the Lego goggles, BYU football looks as good as advertised. Number eight, eight no. Uh, we talked a lot yesterday about does BYU need to add another game? I think I would argue that because of Zach Wilson, Jerem, BYU has enough good mojo that they probably don't need to add a game. Well, four SEC games have been postponed. We say postponed. Are they really going to be played later? Like, hopefully. But, yeah, at what point are we calling the Army game canceled, by the way? They don't want that Isn't game. It can- it's, they don't want the game. They have every opportunity and then some to add that game back onto the schedule. It was contracted earlier. They don't want it. They would have done it. We said that like a week later. Holy cow. All right, we're going to do our part in promoting and spreading the message of Zach Wilson for Heisman today as we begin our daily push of Wilson for Heisman. Strike that pose. It's time for another Wilson for Heisman update. The latest praise comes from Sports Illustrated's Pat Forty, who says the following. Selling point beyond the stats, Fresh Canada on a fresh team with a high entertainment value. Plus the advantage of playing several non-Saturday games that put him in the spotlight. Wilson is third nationally in efficiency, trailing only fields in Alabama's Mac Jones. 22 touchdown passes, tied for the national lead. He's run for eight more scores. Got some improvisational flair, throwing the ball at different angles, creating some big plays out of thin air. At 8-0, almost all of Wilson's Heisman hay is in the barn, (laughs) which could cut both ways. His numbers will diminish significantly, but some voters might forget about him as other candidates play games of increasing Impact. That's assuming that the other teams actually play the games of increasing impact. That, that's right. They still have to play. But that does BYU feel like, oh, for us to actually have Zach Wilson in the Heisman conversation at the end and perhaps a finalist, who knows? It, 
Like, if they only pick three, Zach Wilson might not go. But if they pick four, maybe Zach Wilson goes. Depends on uh, Kyle Trask as well, Florida, who in some circles jumped Zach. But he's top five almost everywhere, which is incredible. Does BYU need to add a game for that? A bit, like, add South Florida or East Carolina, like we talked about yesterday, a beat em up game to, uh, and revenge game to get him uh, in that conversation. They, they need to campaign for it. I, I, listen, I love the Dominator uh, notepads. I would love a uh, Zach Wilson Freisman something. I don't envy the committees for the Heisman Trophy or for the college football playoff because you are balancing, all right, Zach Wilson has played eight games. He has done this for his team. These are his averages. Justin Fields has played three games. Trevor Lawrence has played six games. Kyle Trask has played however many games. This is just such a strange way to have to compare the quarterbacks against each other. Really, the only thing you can do is look at average level of competition and then what the quarterbacks are doing on an average game, right? Sure. I feel like those would, have, would be the two main things, but I don't, this is tough. How, you're going to leave somebody great out if you don't take more than four to that's the Heisman it, finalist it, yeah, situation. That's how it always seems to be, right? Sometimes there's fewer, but... This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. I recently had a chance to go one-on-one with BYU freshman tight end Isaac Rex and talk about his six touchdown catches, among other things, on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline. Here is that conversation. Isaac, I would just like to point out that since you last joined me in this Zoom scenario and we gave you the BYU Sports Nation karma, you have rolled to six touchdown catches this season. Are you a believer of the BYU Sports Nation karma? I've never heard of the BYU Sports Nation karma. Is that so everyone that goes on the show does well after? Is that... Is that yeah. the thing, or is it the opposite? It's like the Madden curse. No, no, this is very much not a curse. This is a thing, Isaac. I don't oh. think. I don't think it's a coincidence that you're having a fantastic season. <laughs> nice. Hey, awesome. Well, it's definitely working. Not only that, but uh, I feel like your dancing is progressing. Your celebrations in the end zone. Where do you stand on that? I haven't really done any dances in the end zone, but after the game, they caught me dancing uh, with Neil in, a, in that video. <laughs> And, uh, I felt like it was better. It was more, it was more, I was just like grooving. I wasn't really doing a specific dance. I was kind of just dancing to an old song that my dad used to listen to. And I uh, felt, you know, I felt pretty good after about that performance. So I was happy about that. Understandably. Isaac Rex grooving with us on BYU Sports Nation. You and the Cougars, 8-0. You're ranked number eight in the country. Of course, you just beat Boise State for the first time ever on the blue and did so in a massively convincing fashion. Why do you feel like BYU was so ready for that moment with all of the hype leading up to that game? I feel like just all the games we played before. I mean, we've we've had uh, seven games before that game, and we've been practicing since since June. Um, we've, we've been preparing for that game for a long time and uh, for every game, honestly, we're just really in sync with the offense, the defense, the special teams. We're all just working together and we know we're making, um, a lot of headway because we've been practicing so much. So I feel like that really helped us, uh, prepare for last week. 
What's the ceiling for this team, Isaac? Because top 10 undefeated in the New Year's Six conversation and the college football playoff conversation, that it feels pretty good. So wh- where can this team go? Well, I honestly feel like we could go to the national championship and compete there. I mean, that would be, that's the highly, the highest ceiling in college football. And so I feel like we can, we can get to the top where we're a really good team and um, we've been playing a lot. So I feel like we can make it to the very top and that would be the college football playoffs. So strangely, BYU only has a couple of games over the next five weeks. That's just how the COVID schedule worked out. You just played seven weeks in a row, pretty wild. Where do you stand on the need or not need to add another game to keep you guys fresh and ready for the run through December? Um, I would, I mean, honestly, we'll, we'll play against any team and, but it's not really up to us players whether to make that decision. Um, it's honestly to other schools. They have to, uh, want to schedule us. Um, we have to, uh, the coaches and the administration to our athletic director. It's kind of, it's kind of a different situation, but we've scheduled games, uh, pretty early on before. So I don't feel like it would be too difficult, but if we played a game, we'd be super, super excited and we'd get ready. But if we didn't, it would be. You know, that's just the way it is. So um, we'll we'll figure it out as time goes. But, um, yeah, if, if we play, we play. If we don't, we don't. Uh, it's not really up to our decision. BYU freshman tight end Isaac Rex with us on BYU Sports Nation. You brought up your dad a moment ago listening to music that he listened to and still listens to. How does he feel about the fact that you have almost as many touchdowns this season, six, as he did in his entire career, seven? Oh, <laughs> uh, he's so jealous. He's so mad. I'm just kidding. Uh, no, he's, he's, uh, he's happy for me. He really is. And he obviously wants me to be better than him. So he's really happy for me, but he still has me on catches. He still has me on yards. So I have a lot of room to make up. I still got a lot of ways to go to catch my dad, but you know, what? if, uh, he's just, he wants me to be the best I can possibly be. So Uh, I love my dad, and he'll keep uh, pushing me and helping me along the way. Another father figure type of sorts for you within the BYU football program has been Matt Bushman. In fact, you said the day you found out his season was over was one of the saddest days of your life. Yet he's taken on a coaching role and a mentor role. What's the best thing that you've learned from Matt Bushman in your time at BYU? Oh, Matt's the most humble man um, ever, honestly. I've never met a more humble player he he can have all the bragging rights he wants he can talk all the smack he wants but he's honestly the coolest most humble man uh such a good um father figure for me and he just he's taught me a lot on not only how to play but how to play the right way and um matt he was at the boise state game and he was able to um talk to me during the game and help me out on different plays but also like after the game he's just such a good guy and Tommy had to be such a nice, uh, nice player on the field and off. And so I love Matt and uh, he's going to do great things in the future. What does the future of the BYU tight end room hold? Because you've obviously emerged this year as a freshman, Carter Waits making an impact. Hank Tui Pelotu's getting healthy. He's had a catch this year. And then Dallin Holker's going to come back and join you guys. So what do the BYU tight ends hold in store for the future? 
I feel like our future is super bright. Honestly, I, we have so much young talent in the room. We're all freshmen. Even Hank's a freshman. Um, I think well, we'll all be sophomores next year. And so it's, it's honestly such a, such a blessing for BYU to have such young tight ends. Uh, sometimes it's a curse, but also like we're getting better every week. We're really improving. And so we're going to be really good for a long time. And we have a lot of good, uh, recruits that are coming up too. So honestly, BYU is, is going to be a tight end factory for a long time. I feel like, so uh, we're just trying to, you know, solidify that and keep this, keep this thing going. BYU obviously hoping that they are a quarterback factory of sorts moving forward too. Zach Wilson getting all types of hype uh, is pr- yes. projected first round NFL draft pick by many experts now, but waiting in the wings are Baylor Romney and Jaron Hall, and Jacob Conover. Mm-hmm. Um, before we move the conversation to those other guys, let's talk about what it's like to play with Zach Wilson right now. How would you explain that? Uh, man, he is on fire. Zach is just killing it on every cylinder. He's getting everyone the ball. Um, his completion percentage is off the roof and he's a winner, man. We're, we're eight and and, uh, he, he's enjoying every second of it. So Zach, he could throw the ball anywhere he wants and he could run too. So he's the perfect package as quarterback. And we all believe Zach's the best quarterback in the nation by far. And so, um, Zach will, he'll continue to keep this thing going and, um, help us win. And it's just so fun playing with him and, and being able to contribute to his uh, amazing season. All right. Uh, let's finish with this. I don't know if you have a TikTok account, but I think you should get one, Isaac. Okay. I'll, I'll be your first follower if you don't. <laughs> okay. My TikTok is very low key. And I don't really want a lot of people following me because I don't <laughs> want the pressure of trying to, trying to like please my fans on there and make new ones every day and come up. It's stressful. TikTok is stressful. So I'm more of an Instagram guy. I don't have a Twitter, but, um, I do have a TikTok. and if you can find it, then I'll give you credit. But <laughs> if you can't, don't worry about it because it's, you don't need to follow me. I'm not that funny on TikTok. All right. It's going to take some investigative work for sure. Isaac, always great to talk to you. Let's uh, give you another measure of the BYU Sports Nation karma and you wait and see what happens, my friend. Awesome. I can't wait. Thanks, Isaac. Cool. All right. You got it. Isaac Rex on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. His six touchdowns are second among all freshmen, second, tied second among all tight ends, Kyle Pitts, Florida's legit. He's one. Tied sixth in a season in BYU history. His catch TD ratio is 3.5. I mean, this is fantastic. Well done, Isaac. Yeah, and he's replaced Matt Bushman in an effective way. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. When one of Isaac's teammates, BYU Junior Center James Empey, and his father were in a tough situation, Mike was let go as the offensive line coach, James had a major decision to make, one that changed the trajectory of his entire life. This week's Deep Blue, presented by America First Credit Union, we're here to help. Growing up in a football family, his dad a former player here and a coach, I think certainly helped him and and set the stage for him, so to speak. He thinks like a coach, and he asks questions like a coach. That's his edge when it comes to the game, and that's what really, I think, sets him apart and allows him to play at the level that he plays at. 
He's one of the smartest players that, that I've ever coached. And the fact that he gets to touch the ball every down, it's helpful for us as coaches. Usually has the right answers and then usually makes the proper adjustments before the coaches even have to, have to do it. You know, and so I, I think that's the fact that he's had a wonderful father as an example and, and a coach to be there with him throughout the whole his whole journey. I know I got a guy in my corner that knows exactly what I'm going through, knows exactly, you know, what's going on and, and somebody I can talk to because there's a lot of people that, that are there for you and, and talk to you, but having somebody that actually knows kind of every little detail is, is kind of cool. So, you know, it's helped us be super close throughout the years and, and, and super close to this day. So, When we weren't on the football field, I was dad. And if I was going to be the coach all the time, I was going to miss out on the important parts about being dad. And so we were like, well, I just have to have a rule that when we're in the truck on the way to practice, I'm dad. When we get out of the truck, I'm the coach, and I can treat everybody the same. I think that can really challenge relationships, and there's an intensity that comes sometimes when dads are coaches. I think we did our best to try to navigate that, and I think we, I think we did okay. BYU had played a... Huge role in my life all growing up because my dad played here and coached here. I'd come to all the games. I'd go hang out in the locker room after the game with my dad and all the players. You know, I was around here, and, and BYU was awesome to me. You know what I mean? And I, I decided that that, that was going to be a great opportunity for me. And we had a good first year. I mean, it was it was a lot of fun playing playing for my dad. After that year, didn't have the best year, and and, it, and a lot of the offensive coaches got let go, and my dad was one of them. And, and I just remember thinking to myself, like, man, I came here because of that reason. And I, I just, I kind of didn't know what to think about it, you know. And, and for a minute, I was a little bit turned, turned around and, and flipped upside down and just kind of trying to decide what I wanted to do for myself, um, even if I wanted to stay or if I wanted to go. And the coaches that came fired my dad, and it was all like, you know, how do you handle that? It's kind of awkward. But I just decided that there's no coincidence I was supposed to be here. It all, it all worked out like it was supposed to. I'm going to stick to it. I'm going to stay here. And, and we're going we're gonna to make this work and make it happen. And, and it, was, it was the best choice I could have made for myself. The way he's handled the situation with his dad has been one of the most impressive things I've seen in my entire coaching career. I've never seen any, any young person handle it the way he's handled it. And in my opinion, that's what's really made his career here. For most young people, it could have easily gone sour. He could have easily left here and nobody would have blamed him. But he stayed true to his commitment to this team and this program and this university. And in my opinion, that's what makes him the most special is how much he really cares about this place and making this team a really great team. You know, it's just one of those things that happens in life where things change and you, you just adapt and just keep going. I'm grateful that he's had a great experience at BYU. I feel like he's got amazing teammates. I feel like I'm lucky because I got to be there to help bring some of those guys into the program, and I know the type of character that they have and the potential they have for the future. And, and those are the kind of teammates you'd want your son to play with. And so I think that, you know, from that standpoint, it's been the best thing for him and he's had a great experience we've loved supporting the cougars and seeing him play well and and his friends you know and the other guys play well what kind of was a hardship ended up being something that was a, a real real blessing in my life and so byu is a special place and it's special to me and uh, i'm just so glad i'm here since the beginning of james and i dating i have always really admired how much he 
He loves football and how he puts everything he's got into football. But even more so, I have really admired how he's always put both of us, our relationship, even above that. Yeah, so thanks for tuning into our cooking channel. And considering how much he puts into football, how much time and effort and energy he puts into football, he puts just as much, if not more, into our relationship. And I am so grateful for that. My family has always been there to support and help me. And my wife has just been incredible. This We've been married about a year and a half now. And she's just been so amazing and has been such a help, kind of a light for me. And, you know, it might be a little cliche, but they say you got to marry somebody that makes you want to be better, and that's my wife makes me want to be better. And so um, I'm just, I'm so blessed to have her in my life. What a great story on James Empey, and what a unique situation for him to have to work through. He could have left, and it would have made sense, right? He actually signed with Utah out of high school. And then after his mission, transferred to BYU, redshirted, and then was going to start playing, right? His, after his redshirt year, that's when Mike was fired. And so it was like, oh, what's going to happen with James? And luckily he stayed because he's really good. BYU's had the same starting center for the last three years. And before that, it was the last four years with Tijon Chroma. So you think about it, two dudes in seven seasons. That consistency from freshman on has been really fun. Also... James doesn't have a mustache in this photo. This was clearly pre-COVID. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad his dad, Mike, pointed out during the piece that he had the opportunity to recruit the core of the guys that right. are now crushing it at BYU. I would, I would say, yeah, thanks to Garrett Touje, thanks to Mike Empey, thanks to Ryan Pugh, all these guys. This has been a, a, a long build. It's not just, boom, snap, puff the magic dragon, boom, 2020, like, it's taken a minute. Yeah, to the get offensive line has been, a, you're right, has been a very, very slow pick. Yeah. It takes time with those guys. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Schedule upgrade? Really, does BYU need to schedule another game? It's the conversation of the month right now, Jerem, because the Cougars are 8 No, Have they done enough? They're going to be heavy favorites in their final two games, or will they need to add some more meat to the resume so that they feel even more secure about the New Year's Six? What do you think? We may not know until the playoff committee rank comes out November 24th. That's, uh, what, two weeks from today? So we, we may not know, and by then, can you still get a game on the 5th or the 12th? Like, the 12th maybe, but the 5th, it's hard the next week. It's one thing to say, yeah, Houston and Baylor will play. Well, that's within driving distance, right? That's For BYU, there's not a game they're going to add that's within driving distance, you'd think. Utah State probably had a chance to play BYU. They chose not to, I'm guessing. Um, they've got issues of their own. Does BYU need another game <sighs> to make the New Year's Six? I, I feel pretty good about the possibility of 10-0, and 0, right? But will BYU fall out of the consciousness is the question. BYU plays two games in the next six weeks. So this week, BYU's not playing a game for sure. It'll be two out of the ne- It'll be two games, three buys in that period. It feels like BYU needs another game. I don't even need a good game. I just need a game where BYU again pounds somebody 45-14, and you go, yep, still awesome. Check, next, another win. They, uh, did they play? Oh, they didn't play, but this team behind them played, and they had a better win, and they're looking okay, and it's a Power 5-1 last team. Maybe they should be above BYU. That's the danger here. 
I'm, there's not a lot of good games available either because, let's be honest, BYU's not going to be able to get a Power 5 game. What Power 5 league wants to play a non-conference right now? They have so many issues with just making sure they can play their own conference game. Most look, Power 5 conferences aren't even allowing it. Right. Look at the Pac-12 and how many games didn't happen over the weekend. What, two? Washington, Cal, and Arizona, Utah? And Utah's in and danger then the of losing big, another one this weekend. LSU, uh, yeah. And LSU-Bama is in question now. Um, every game is precious. The fact that BYU got to eight. Listen, playing 10 and winning 10 might... 10 might be enough because not everyone is playing every game. And it depends on what part of the country you're in and what conference you're in as to how strict the guidelines are. The Pac-12 and the Big Ten are more strict because it's how they can justify playing the games. Because at first it was about health, and then suddenly it wasn't. They were going to figure out how to do it safely, but nothing changed. They just decided they want to play, right? And here they are. So I'm not 10-0 is probably good enough. But I don't want a game that could affect BYU's New Year's Six chances should BYU lose. And there's not a lot of those out there in terms of risk of losing, in my opinion. We'll show you all of them in just a moment. Has BYU done enough already, or do they need to add one more win to feel like a lock for a New Year's Six bowl game and all of the big money that comes along with it, all of that big money that BYU is an independent would not need to share with a conference? An at-large lock. That's a, an automatic at-large. Yeah, nothing's automatic. 10-0. Is going to sound great, yeah. but 11-0 feels remarkable given the circumstances of 2020. 10-0 sounds remarkable given the circumstances to me. There's no way that a 10-0, I think, and certainly not an 11-0 BYU team is going to be left out of one of those big-time bowl games if they're ranked in the top 10. And I can't see the college football playoff committee ranking BYU outside of the top 12. I think they'll be inside the top 10. There's this allure about undefeated teams. And BYU has absolutely been the benefactor of being the Lone Ranger in the West for the first half of the college football season. And they got a massive head start. Yes, it it has been an advantage. But to their credit, they have won. They have won big. And they have completed all of the toughest challenges on the schedule with at Navy, at Houston, at Boise. Their three best wins are all on the road and all in convincing fashion, all by 17 or more. Yeah, UTSA is the only close game BYU's played. It's been incredible. Domination. So does BYU need to schedule another game? Let's look at the remaining potential opponents. On November 28th at Slim Pickens, Jerem, two teams. Marshall, ranked number 16, and Army. Army doesn't want to play BYU. They watched the Navy game. They don't want to play. They would have scheduled BYU if they wanted it. Yet Army just lost a game with Air Force. So are they chomping at the bit to just add another game? Do they go back to the already contracted game they had they with BYU. The smoke, man. They don't want the smoke. They would have done it already. I don't think Marshall's going to schedule BYU because they just rescheduled two games for December 5th and December 12th. And if you're Marshall, um, you're hoping since he loses, right, to give you a shot. Coastal Carolina's right in front of Marshall in the best of the G5. They would want to maybe, that's the risk of trying to slingshot themselves into this. Also, does BYU go on the road for this game no matter what? Or do they try and play a home game? Depends on the opponent. Depends on the yeah, opponent. Yes, yes, you don't go to UMass. You know what I mean? Yeah. November 28th, listen, Marshall would be a game that could potentially blow it up. I, BYU would be favored by seven. Do you go to West five. Virginia in late November over Thanksgiving, put it on the line, and does Marshall no, take that game no, thinking, no. hey, if we beat BYU, then maybe we can propel ourselves to they, the top of the group of five list. They won't be higher than Cincy, in my opinion, even if that wins. Unless With Cincinnati that win, loses. Right, Cincy would have to lose. I don't think Marshall can get into the top 
10 very easily, if at all, right? That's Marshall's strength of schedule right now, by the way, 116. Yeah. You always, what, 91 in Sagarin? 91, which is four spots Whoa. higher than Cincinnati. Oh, gosh. Well, they're going to play UCF in two weeks. Um, yeah, this, this is all interesting, right? Okay. So I, I would say no on both, of, both those. of those. Like Army, I'm fine with. I just don't yeah. think they're going to play. Yeah, I'm okay it, with you know? the Army game. Yeah. Go to West Point. Army is in the same predicament as BYU. They're not going to play a game between November 21st and December 12th. They would have a three-week layoff. What are they playing for? Nothing. They're just playing to beat Navy at this point. You know what I mean? They're not, they might finish rank, whatever. Okay, let's get to December 5th because there's a lot of games there. Mm-hmm. Okay, East Carolina, SMU, Temple, Tulane, UCF, USF. Six out of the American so all, Conference all, alone. All the AAC. Middle Tennessee, UAB, Army again, although they're not going to play the week before Navy. UMass, Georgia State, Arkansas State, South Alabama. I wouldn't mind an AAC team there. I'm not sure I want SMU, though. If they come to Provo, great. I'm okay with that. Come to Provo. I would rather have like a South Florida. Uh, one and six, they're that bad this year? Jeez. Well, yeah. yeah let's, who let, cares? Let's it's the it. revenge tour. Let's revenge dominate tour. those yeah. fools. Put it, put it on the T-shirt. The Zach Wilson T-shirt. Yes. Maybe, maybe even East Carolina. 2017, let's just rid ourselves of that one a little bit too. I wouldn't mind one of those. I don't need a game that could blow up BYU's schedule. You think about what happened yesterday in the athletic department. They fired seven individuals in the athletic communications office which we will address a little bit later in our rise and shout-out to some of those people. Uh, BYU, uh, Tom Homo mentioned, hey, we've had a multi-million dollar loss. BYU, like everyone, is in a predicament where if they can get some money, that's awesome. The biggest blessing, that's a word around here, biggest blessing ever for BYU and BYU athletics here could be a New Year's Six game. So I say, don't risk it by playing a ranked opponent. Play, just play another game, a, a name team, uh, enough Right? Uh, Temple, East Carolina, SMU, whatever. AEC, it's the next best league. That's the game I would want. I would not want to risk what we, and we can't even find the actual multi million dollar number that BYU would get. You know, you hear 4 million, you hear t- 21 million, or what? I don't know. It, I don't know how much it is, 10 to 20 mil that BYU would get from playing in the New York Six game. That's an unbelievable amount of money for an athletic department, and everyone needs it, but BYU needs it too. Let's go. A financial blessing yes let's go all right on december 5th i'm all about the revenge tour games sure if usf and i don't mind byu going to tampa for that game go back to tampa enjoy a Tom trip Brady to florida out. on december 5th and dominate usf on the revenge tour here's what i don't want ucf on the road no on december too, 5th. too tough no. no there's no point here if you had one loss i'd be like yeah play anybody i don't care but there's no losses. BYU has uh, a special, special season going on right now. If Don't UCF agreed to come to Provo, then I'm maybe a little bit more intrigued. I still don't want it. You don't want it in no. Provo? No. I, I, don't want it. I don't want something that could derail this. Why? Why? Why choose that? I'm confident that BYU would handle its business. That has, that's not in on play. Their, on their home field. Yes. I'm confident BYU would handle its business against literally every team on here. I just don't. I just don't. I want less risk. Because the risk is greater than the reward. It really is here. The re- What's the reward? BYU's probably in a New Year's Six. So, well, you lock it up. You lock it up. Right. But if you lose, then you blew it up. Like, you're probably in a good spot anyway. It'd be a poor investment to me to play Marshall, SMU, or UC. It's a game of chicken for Tom Homo until BYU finds out where they stand in the college football playoff rankings on November 24th. But they have a pretty good sense that, like we said, they're probably not going to be outside the top 12. 
Is that enough? Yeah. But it's not about November 24th. It's about December 20th. Let me present one more scenario for you. And I honestly got a big old cheesy grin on my face when I thought about this. December 19th, championship weekend across all of college football, all of the Some have played the week before. Liberty, BYU, Mm -hmm. for a de facto independent conference championship. Both teams ranked. There's nothing I hate more (laughs) than the idea of that. Because it's not a league. No, listen, Liberty's it's going well. You mentioned, hey, uh, you know, undefeated, awesome. What's the difference between undefeated BYU and undefeated Liberty? They have a Power 5 win, by the way. It's true. Uh, Liberty's schedule it's that has BYU been... BYU is a national brand. That's the difference. And BYU has played more tough games. Although, the, the, the strength of schedule difference is not crazy different. Oh, it's pretty big there. 125 for Liberty. Yeah. So, both in the bottom 30-ish of college football. Um, but BYU has a name. Also, BYU has been destroying fools, okay? That's, the, that's a big difference here. Liberty has it's, not done that against right. some common opponents. North Alabama was 28-7. to 7. Mm-hmm. You think in two weeks BYU is going to beat North Alabama by 28-7? Maybe add 30 points. Liberty-Western Kentucky was also a one-score game. Liberty and Western Kentucky, yes. So that's the difference. BYU has been crazy good against uh, a schedule that's winnable. And that, therefore, BYU is good. And BYU won at Boise State in convincing fashion. Houston, yes. BYU looks really good. So, I, listen, interesting, intriguing, maybe, I don't know, Liberty, eh. If I had to pick two favorites there, it's one rescheduling the Army game. Like, I think it's great. I think that's the perfect scenario because I feel like BYU would show I do up, too, but dominate, and then just be 11-0. If Army won that game, they would have done it. Therefore, I've kind of eliminated it from reality sure that that's i mean it's just perhaps none of this is reality um i, I don't know Kalei Stake, uh, sorry what's your second game probably smu or marshall if it were in provo mm. do you think that these teams would do that i think SMU because would smu be okay and marshall playing a non-con yeah. in the west i i don't know SMU's not going to go to a big-time bowl game. They're not going to go to the AAC championship. It's another game for them to play against a ranked opponent. Chance to spoil the season. It's some context for them. I think SMU would do something like that. I don't know that Marshall wants BYU because they scheduled those two games on December 5th and 12th. That would be tough to throw BYU in in their probably needed bye week, November 28th, before they hope to close things out in a perfect season. Yeah, what is Marshall playing for? Let's assess what we think their motives are because we come at it from the BYU perspective, not necessarily theirs. Theirs is, uh, hey, maybe we have a shot at the New Year's Six if we're the best group of five team. We need Cincinnati to lose, and we need to win out, and well, then we have a shot. And guess what? That would propel them. If Cincinnati lost and they beat BYU, then they would be yeah. in the New Year's Six. And maybe they feel like, hey, we don't necessarily need that. If we went out, we're probably the next best team. We'll see with Coastal Carolina. Like We feel like we have a better schedule maybe or something. I don't, I don't know. Mm. I don't know. I hate assessing others' motives. That's why I never want to be a bishop. <laughs> Jerem's gone on record. I don't. I don't. <laughs> Kalani's talking keeps mentioning uh, 12, by the way. He keeps mentioning like 12 games, 12 games. We were preparing to play 12 games. So well, I wonder if Kalani 12, wants right? two. He's talking in the regular season, I think. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. 
BYU basketball head coach Mark Pope has been the center of our conversation this morning with the Cougars releasing their non-conference schedule for 2020-2021. He joins us now on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Coach, welcome back to the program. You look like one of the beastie boys. Are you going to break out intergalactic in a second? Hey, hey, what's up, guys? It's Listen, I got a bunch of stuff for you this morning that's really, really important to all of Cougar Nation. First of all, I got to wear the beanie in the office because we're in two a days and you, get, you just don't sleep that much. And so you got to keep the, the, the office cold so you stay awake, right? <laughs> but here's the thing. I jumped on the Zoom call and I can see myself right now, which is the worst on Zoom calls because you end up staring at yourself the whole time, right? It's really awful. But then I'm like, I got... I got a royal blue beanie on with with a navy blue uh, jacket. And so I'm like, that can't – isn't this a controversy now? You can't – so I literally got on. I ran to – I ran to the <laughs> – to my locker to get the – because you can't wear royal – can you wear royal and hey, navy Kalani together? does that. That's Kalani's look. He goes yeah, with – Kalani, Kalani got so much swag. First of all, <laughs> he's coaching – a top 10 ranked football team in the country. He's one of the best dancers on the I mean, he's got, he's swagalicious, so he can wear anything he wants. I just don't know if I can pull it off. No, it's a fair point you bring up because not many people can pull off wearing Royal blue with Navy. It's that's rarefied air. That's the Kalani effect for sure. Coach. But man, I mean, hey, if you listen, you, you beat Gonzaga you last year rules, on senior okay? night. You make the rules. You, you beat Gonzaga last year on senior night. So maybe that grants you the exception to wear Royal with Navy blue. Maybe. <laughs> Are you taking it personally, by the way, that the last two times you've been on this show, Jerem has taken the day off? Uh, well, listen, I don't understand. I thought we were boys. <laughs> he produces the coaches show. Like, I think he's so mad at me that we didn't win an Emmy. I told him for sure I guaranteed him an Emmy win last year, and we didn't get one. I think he's a little salty about that. <laughs> We'll have to follow up on that. In the meantime, you put out what you called a terrifying non-conference schedule yesterday for BYU basketball. And as terrifying as it is, you also said it's very exciting. What was it like compiling that schedule based on all of the difficulties that go into scheduling regularly, not to mention the COVID-19 pandemic? Yeah, it's, it's been super challenging. I think for everybody in the country, you know, as soon and the, the most complicated piece was as soon as the date change. We went from the 10th to the fifth to the 25th. As soon as we changed the start date, it wiped out half the MTEs in the country. And then the NCAA a couple of months ago said, nope, we're still going to have the MTE qualifier for 27 games, which, which essentially means the only way you can play 27 games if you play an MTE, if you don't play an MTE, you only get 25 games, and we all want games, right? So, so then you have to get an MTE to get in the 27, and then we've watched – is all the MTEs in Orlando blew up. So many people had expectations there, and everything's changed. Our MTE, of course, blew up, so we had to find a new one. And so not only was it hard for us to find an MTE, but then you're waiting on the other teams in your schedule to get their MTE done because they have to do that first to make sure they get to 27. So it's just been a big kind of domino effect. I think I think we're seeing some clearing here. Uh, we were super excited to put out, put out the schedule and just have it done. When you look at it, obviously there's some really good opponents on there, but Spencer and I were talking about in the previous segment the thing that really stands out, and everybody's dealing with this, Coach, because everything is is put into a condensed time frame, but the number of games you play in a very short period of time, how how difficult is that to prepare for? Well, it's, it's, it's really challenging for us to step, but my guys are so excited. 
they're just like, because it means we can't practice. Practice? <laughs> We're talking about practice? My guys are so hyped. They're so tired of practicing right now. So, so you know, the one good thing is you get a lot of games and, and uh, you get to grow through games, and, and we're really excited about that. What's the most difficult part of working through a schedule where you play three games in five days and four games in eight with the likes of USC, potentially a UConn in there, then you take on Utah State in Logan before returning to take on what you said might be the best team you play in the non-conference, Boise State and Provo? Man, Boise State is going to be good. We just look at their roster and like, my goodness. Um, all those teams are really good. I mean, they're all really, really good. I think the biggest challenge is you you don't have – you just don't have the luxury of carrying any emotional baggage over the night after a game. It's like you have to somehow condense all the emotions, victory, defeat, uh, things going smoothly, things going poorly, uh, bodies getting banged up. You have this really limited window kind of of that night, post-game night, where you have to wrap up, do an autopsy, completely – uh, finish all your post game stuff because the very next morning you got to go and you got to be a hundred, uh, you know, a hundred percent locked in on the next game, emotionally, physically, mentally, and every other way It's actually a really fun way to, uh, to approach a basketball season. Uh, but it's really challenging because we do, there's so much emotion involved and so much physicality involved in all these games. Now we learned that there will be a bubble type implemented scenario in Connecticut for your multi-team event or MTE. But the West Coast Conference recently announced that they're not going to play in a bubble. How do you feel about playing conference games not in a bubble scenario when there is concern about all these potential cancellations and postponements of games when you get together for this type of rigorous physical activity? Yeah, you know, there was a lot of discussion. I'm actually really proud of, of Gloria and the entire kind of WCC commissioner's office um, because they've really, really been working on kind of coming up with creative ideas to help us get through a season. And as good as bubble opportunities sounded, w- there's no way that we can reconstruct the bubble that was 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 done in Orlando for the NBA. We just we just we don't have the means to do it exactly that way. And so while, like for example, a bubble in Las Vegas. Maybe the upside is, is if everything goes perfectly, you have the best chance of getting through the season. You also have an awful chance of the whole thing blowing up Ugh. because of exposure and the whole thing shutting down. And so, so you know, maybe a safer middle ground, we'll see. I mean, everybody's guessing, but maybe a, a, a safer middle ground is where you're just kind of having everybody roll through this conference season the best they can. We're not all housed in the same building uh, where one exposure could kind of terminate the whole thing, but maybe it's a, 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 you know, a team loses a couple games here individually rather than the whole conference shutting down. And so I think it's just a calculated risk, but there was a ton of thought that went into it. Uh, Glory's done a great job kind of leading the conference through this. And, and hopefully we're, we're coming up with the best solution possible. And, what we all have seen already is we don't have any idea what we're going to be doing for our conference season, right? Because everything can change in 24 hours. So, you know, maybe, maybe this bubble idea is resurrected. Certainly all the groundwork's been laid, but as of right now, we're trying to move forward with a more normal uh, kind of uh, schedule. The good news coach, is you've been able to practice for a while now. How close to game ready do you think this team is? If you needed to play a game tonight, how ready do you think they are? It's a, so so. It's really interesting 
Because sometimes you think about how game ready you are, and that's the overriding concern. And sometimes you think about how much you just cannot survive another practice before you have a game, right? <laughs> and so we're somewhere in between. We're somewhere, we're on this race to try and get to game ready before our guys just say, we, we, we are not going on this practice floor one more time. We just finished our third week of two a day. So we're all feeling that way a little bit. And, and, and that's, that's the beautiful motivation to get to games, whether you're ready or not. So I think we're getting close. We have some veteran leadership on the team. The guys are playing really, really well together. We're kind of getting close to the place where we're excited to just lace it up and turn on the lights and go. The only thing that's scary about that is it's not like we get a, a game and then we get to evaluate what's going on and kind of fix w- what was going on in a game. We're just going game, game, off game, right? And so when we start, we know we have to really be ready and have kind of accounted for a lot of possibilities. BYU basketball head coach Mark Pope with us on a Friday edition of BYU Sports Nation. In terms of health, I know that Wyatt Lowell is touch and go. He's trying to get back and, and be healthy after dealing with a pretty significant injury. Other than that, how is the health of your overall roster? It's, it's, it's shockingly good. Um, usually, you know, usually it's hard to make it through these three weeks, but the guys have done a great job knocking on wood here. Um, our performance staff is elite. Uh, um, coach Eric Shork, our strength and conditioning coach, and, and Rob Ramos, our trainer, have done an unbelievable job. They kind of lead up our whole performance team. And so the fact that we've made it through uh, training camp relatively unscathed is, 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 is really exciting. Uh, and like you said, Wyatt is really close to coming back. We've had some guys with little little nicks, not long-term injuries, and we're hoping to have, uh, you know, really the entire roster back with Wyatt kind of gauging his ability to be physical, you know, for the start of the season. The NBA draft is next week. Yoli obviously is a guy that's in the mix to be drafted. Have you had an opportunity to talk with him? Has he been what's, – what's the, what's the buzz around Yoli that you're hearing right now? Well, he's interviewed with, I think, uh, shy, maybe three teams shy of every team in the NBA and, um, and, and, and multiple teams a second time. And so he has put, he, you know, he has worked really hard and obviously had unbelievable success to put himself in a position uh, to be in this draft. Um, you know, it's only 60 guys. It's, it's just a tie, It's just such a minuscule number, right, from all over the world. Uh, but he is solidly in this thing, and uh, it's going to be a really exciting night. I think, um, you know, uh, you know, kind of the feedback we're getting is anywhere from from late to early, uh, late first round, early second round to not in the draft, and and really in that area, it just becomes such a, it's it's just so dynamic that anything can happen. So uh, we're really really hopeful. He certainly has earned the opportunity to do this. Uh, and, and, and I think we have a, a really good feel for, for his opportunity right now. Uh, and, and it's going to be exciting. And if, if for some reason his name's not called, uh, he's going to go to camp and just uh, destroy some people and, and earn, his, earn his way on a team that way. So, you know, he's destined to go play in that league. He really believes that. We believe that. And we're really excited to see how that actually happens. You watch one of the all-time greats leave the program in Yoli Childs. And uh, just a few days ago, BYU Basketball announces the newest member of the BYU Basketball family, Jake Walline, who is a local product, played at Timpview High School. We spoke with Jake yesterday. He's got a great personality. Had the hat on backwards. Pretty relaxed kid. What's your impression of Jake Walline, not just uh, as a basketball player, but as a person and what he brings to the program? 
Well, I, I think he's a terrific young man. Uh, I think he's, I think he's humble, uh, but I think he's got some belief in himself. Um, I think he loves BYU and I think he's excited about the opportunity to kind of come jump in and, and, um, throw his, his hat into the ring in terms of a guy that's going to try and continue to build this program and, and, uh, and deliver here, um, at BYU. And, and, and clearly he, he's got a, a ridiculous upside. Um, you know, I've talked about this a lot over the last few months. Um, just the sense that, um, here's a young man that, that, you know, I watched play, uh, for a year and a half seeing, trying to envision him as a four, a power forward and thinking, yeah, he's a terrific player. And then this summer watched a ton of film on him playing the one and the two. And, and it just changed everything for me. I just think he's got, you know, you think he's going to be a six, seven, six, eight, six, nine point guard, two guard, three man with really, really terrific ball skills and incredible mobility and length, both on the offensive and defensive end. Um, I think he has a chance to be a really special player. We're incredibly excited about the player that he can become. Coach, we always appreciate the energy and the enthusiasm you bring to the program. You're a class act, great sense of humor. And don't ever discredit your own personal swag. You're looking pretty swaggy right now. I know that's not true, but I, hey, keep saying it, man. You keep saying it, people start believing it. <laughs> you know we will. We'll toot that horn, my friend. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Mark. All right, boys. Mark Pope on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. Look, Mark Pope, he wants to wear Royal and Navy. He can do it. He can do it. Look, Kalani looks great on Kalani. Mark can do that, too. There's nothing wrong with it. Come on. Kalani doesn't care. That's what I love most about it. He just doesn't care what people think about that. He will do what he wants to do. Look, I wear Royal and Navy at the same time. That's why you like it. (laughs) wrong with that. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. All right, let's switch gears, talk a little BYU football. After playing eight games total and seven weeks in a row, BYU gets to sit back and watch the rest of college football play, at least those teams that will actually play. Obviously, there's been a lot of cancellations or postponements. One recently, right as we went on the air, another Pac-12 game canceled. Uh, Cal and Arizona State was Brett McMurphy reported that game is done. Uh, it's not gonna, they're not going to play it because of, of COVID issues. So they'll at least be able to watch the teams that do play. Does BYU benefit from not playing this weekend, or is it a missed opportunity to be seen? So strangely, with all of the cancellations and postponements, it has become not that big of a deal that BYU is not playing, Jason. Weirdly, and it, it's beyond just this week. There has been this pressure for BYU to go out and Maybe schedule another game. Oh, man, you don't want to be off the national radar between November 21st and December 12th when everyone's playing their most prominent games. We are pushing toward a trend of many of those games not being played even when BYU is going to have an extended layoff. It's only a one-week layoff this week. It's no big deal. BYU just played seven games in a row. They vaulted themselves into the top ten. And now a bunch of the top ten teams aren't even playing this weekend either. So there's just not going to be a ton of movement at the top. So BYU will get back on the radar November 21st against North Alabama live on BYU TV. Biggest game ever on BYU TV based on the Cougar status right now. But it, it's okay. And pushing forward, now I feel like they don't need to add another game. Like I have, I have changed my stance because so many games are being canceled and I think will be canceled over the next few weeks. BYU doesn't 
have to feel the pressure to add another game. They're going to play 10 games when most teams are not going to be close to that. Yeah, and that's, that is a benefit for BYU. And you and I are on the same page with this. I, I think heading into this week, I was a little concerned about the national spotlight not being able to be on BYU because they didn't play. But the more cancellations and postponements that you see coming out and being made public, I, I just think that that concern is significantly less because you've had – look, here's the other thing. You have a lot of these teams that are high in the rankings that haven't played but have stayed there. And so BYU is getting enough national attention, and you're already in the top ten. You're the number eight team. We'll see what happens you know, over the, over the weekend in terms of, of where they end up on Sunday. But I, I just don't think it is as important anymore. If I have to say it's a benefit or a missed opportunity, I will say it's a benefit – only because I think it allows you to get healthy. And I'm talking specifically about guys like Zane Anderson and Lopini Katoa. It gives you an opportunity to not have to go through the rigors of a game. Gives you yourself two weeks to be able to get healthy. From that aspect, I think it's certainly a benefit. This bye week came at actually a really good time for BYU. Yeah, weirdly, I don't think BYU needs to schedule another game now. Listen to this list. It's not just cancel games. That's who is having their games canceled. Number one, Alabama at LSU. Postponed. Number three, Ohio State of Maryland, canceled. Texas A&M, postponed. Georgia, postponed. Coastal Carolina, postponed. Auburn, postponed. This is wild. And uh, BYU is strangely benefiting from this because there are just so many big-time teams not playing like the Cougars. BYU basketball head coach Mark Pope is very much weary, as you just heard, of the non-conference schedule his staff wrangled together amidst a global pandemic. And with the likes of USC, potentially UConn, Utah, at Utah State, San Diego State, all on an accelerated timeline, it's understandable why he feels trepidation. But which of those is the scariest game? It really is a terrifying schedule. If you think about it, we got to start the season, we got three games in four days, and then we go away from home, USC, UConn, Utah State, those three games in five days with traveling across the country, and then Boise State, who might be the best team we play. Wow, Boise State on that list might be the best team BYU plays. But will Hank Bachmeyer be playing in that game? <laughs> because that'll change everything, apparently. If he's the point guard, watch out. <laughs> They're a different team. Jason, on a scale of 1 to 10, how terrifying is the BYU basketball non-conference schedule? Look, I'm going to say 7. I'm going to give it a 7. And what has my attention more than the opponents that BYU will face, and there's certainly some very formidable opponents the BYU face in the non-conference, it's the number of games in a short period of time. And you heard Coach Pope talking about it. You start things off, three games in four days. Then you have another time where it's three games in five days. That includes travel from the East Coast. To me, that's what catches my eye more than anything else. It's the short period of time in which you are condensing all of these games in. You have multiple games where, or multiple weeks where you have three games in a week. And, you know, obviously when you get into conference schedule, you get into that rhythm of two games a week. It's a Thursday and it's a Saturday. And you, you, sometimes you'll add maybe a Monday or a Tuesday, but more times than not, you're just playing two games a week. Now, these MTEs change things up a little bit where you're in a tournament and so you're playing back-to-back days. Look, you have opponents like Utah, San Diego State, Utah State and Logan, as you mentioned, 
I mean, th- these are good teams, but for me, it, it's less about the opponents because I think there's enough talent on this roster, even though we've not seen them together for an entire season. I think there's enough talent on this roster. They're going to be able to handle opponents. That doesn't mean that we're going to be able to win every game, but I think they're good enough to be able to, to take on these teams. I'm not concerned about that. The thing that catches my eye is just that number of games in a short period of time. That's what makes this terrifying for me. Yes, and the three games in five days, as was heavily pointed out by Mark Pope, jumps off the page, right? Especially when you go across the country. Yep. BYU is going to be in Connecticut right. to play USC on December 1st. And I think UConn will beat Vanderbilt, which would put BYU two days later playing UConn in a de facto road Essentially, game. Essentially, yes. But there will be no fans. It's weird. It's all weird, right? They're going to be in a bubble. So <clears throat> BYU has three games in five days. But the game that he mentioned, Boise State, that's a fourth game in eight days. It's not like BYU has this long extended break when they come home from the MTE and then they have to play at Utah State in Logan. Then they have three days to get ready for Boise State. At least that game's in the Marriott Center, and BYU will have the comforts of a home field. But that four-game stretch right there, Jason, will make or break BYU's early season NCAA tournament resume status. Do you remember what happened the last time BYU faced Boise State in basketball? I do remember that. They lost. They didn't have Yoli Childs, but they still probably should have won that game. That that was the game. We all remember the heroics at Houston. Mm -hmm. After that game was the game at Boise. So, So the Boise loss was sandwiched. In between two big wins, you had the win over Houston, and then you had the first win over in the, the Maui Invitational against UCLA. So Coach Pope and the staff, they're aware of what Boise State is. I was a little surprised he said that they'll be the best team they'll face. I, I have not read up a ton on Boise State. I, I did not expect to hear that. But if Coach Pope is saying they're going to be that good, this is a team that's already beaten them last year. Yeah, if I had to put a number value to it, I'm with you, about a 7 or an 8, just because of the number of games in the number of days. Every, but the thing is, everybody's playing an accelerated schedule. Yes. And if you want to impress the committee, you got to go out and challenge yourself. So there are a number of other teams, Utah State, San Diego State, Boise State, Utah, that are all going to be in somewhat similar situations to BYU. They're going to have to handle it, too. So that makes me feel a little bit better about it. But the fact that BYU has to play a majority of these early tough games on the road that's tough. The travel days, you think, oh, just show up and play basketball. It, it takes a toll, man. It, it is a big factor. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Let's whip it. Cougar Whip Around presented by Visible Supply Chain Management tackling America's most challenging shipping problems. Spencer, Boise State beat Colorado State 52-21 last night. Wow. And this led to a lot of Boise praise and some Cougar snark along the way. Uh, what was the best snark you saw last night? Well, first of all, Pro Football Focus College sent out the... Unfortunate tweet. Did not age well immediately. With the following statement. Boise State is unstoppable on the blue field. (laughs) To which Zach Wilson, BYU's quarterback, responded with a hand-over-the-mouth laughing emoji. Because remember, a week ago, what did BYU do on the Boise Blue? (laughs) 
51 to 17. They they stopped Boise State is what they did, actually. That, for me, was my favorite. The Zach Wilson tweet with just a single emoji said everything that needed to be said. Yeah, you, you also had uh, Pete Futak, the publisher of College Football News. He's like, yes, Boise State wouldn't would have been better last week against BYU if Hank Bachmeyer was able to play. No, Hank Bachmeyer <laughs> doesn't play defense. The Broncos got rocked for 573 yards and 51 points. Honestly, it, it really was as if they had forgotten what had happened literally a week prior to on that field. As was pointed out by, like, I don't know, 178 BYU fans on Twitter. <gasps> and the, coaches and players. The quarterback rating for one Hank Bachmeyer was actually lower than the quarterbacks that played against BYU. How is that possible, How Spencer? about that? How about that? Does Hank Bachmeyer make up 34 points? <laughs> Look, I will tell you that the most outrageous thing I saw last night during the broadcast was the fact that they showed a picture of Hank Bachmeyer on a horse who went horseback riding during the spring. Mm -hmm. The announcer said he had to go find a pair of jeans because Hank Bachmeyer didn't own a pair of jeans. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Who doesn't own a pair of jeans? You know, in all seriousness, it's amazing that Boise State won big. It's all good for BYU. It's, that was a great outcome for BYU, absolutely. It's all good for BYU. Listen to this. BYU quarterbacks coach and passing game coordinator Aaron Roderick joined the local radio station in Salt Lake City, 97.5 The Zone, and said the following about Zach Wilson and his plans for next year. I guess everybody in the program is aware that that's a possibility. I don't think it's a foregone conclusion yet, but there's a chance he could leave. And uh, if he does, it'll be with him. We'll all be cheering for him. I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that he will leave, Jason. How much you reading into this is the mental door for Zach Wilson to return still open? I Look, all I can do is put myself in Zach's shoes I, I, I would be stunned if he came back. It, the, you're the, the level to which you are being talked about being drafted, you, you, you don't pass that by. You just don't. It's I, not. I, yeah. I mean, look, until he officially says anything, and we're not going to know anything until the season's over, the door obviously technically still open, but he's not coming back. I've said this several times now. I am happy to support whatever Zach Wilson decides is best for him. He's earned the right to leave early if he wants Absolutely. to do that. And if he does, like Aaron Roderick, we'll all be the forefront of that train cheering him on. It's going to be incredible. When you're projected, not just by one guy, we're talking about 10 different guys. And by Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay, who say... He might be a top 10 pick. Right now, I've got him at 13 or 16, respectively. Some have him as a top five pick. We talked to Eric Edholm, who's the lead NFL draft analyst for Yahoo Sports. He said, right now, top five, I have Zach Wilson going to the Washington football team. Look, I guess stranger things have happened. And again, until anything is official, it's not official. But you certainly would assume he takes that step to the NFL. You yeah. would assume. Yes, if Zach decides to come back, then there clearly is something there that we don't know. He he has something very specific he wants to accomplish at BYU, but right now it looks like NFL. During that same interview on the Zone Sports Network, Coach Roderick also gave an update on Jaron Hall. Jaron Hall, very good football player. He's been dealing with an injury. It's not like a super serious thing, but he's been, uh, that's why you guys haven't seen him out there. He's, we just decided to use this season to just get him right physically. I still have a lot of belief and hope in him. 
Are you surprised that we're eight games into the season and this is the first time we're talking about Jaron Hall? No, because Zach Wilson has been so good and BYU has been so good and there's been so much emphasis on winning games and just playing games. No, this makes perfect sense to me. And to credit BYU, it has become a non-factor. Right. Yeah, and, and look, I mean, we, we've known that you've seen him on the sideline just in, in normal clothes, so you knew that, that he, he probably wasn't going to play. That's just the first time that we've, we've at least publicly been able to hear something that they're going to just keep him out and let him get healthy this year. On to golf. Mike Weir, remember this, won the Masters back in 2003. I do remember. coveted green jacket. Multiple Cougars have won Super Bowl rings, Jason. There have been several Cougars representing the Olympics. With Masters play going on this week, and with those big-time professional moments in mind, what's the greatest professional Cougar moment? See, for me, and this was a, it's a team sport, obviously, but the moment that came to me first was Steve Young winning the Super Bowl. Because everybody talked, the, the monkey's finally off of his back. And it's the Super Bowl, there's no bigger event than the Super Bowl. I know some people will now say the World Cup, but for me, Super Bowl. And this, that to me is the very first thing that came up because Steve got a lot of attention for finally getting one that didn't include Joe Montana, meaning a Super Bowl ring. I am shocked that you didn't say Andy Reid in the Kansas City Chiefs. That, I just told you the first one that came to my mind was Steve Young. I'm with you on that. It's Steve Young winning the Super Bowl and finally breaking free of the shadow of Joe Montana. He'd been the NFL MVP. He'd done everything but win a Super Bowl. He took care of that. That was a huge moment for him and for all of BYU. I also just assumed everybody would have... Assume I would go that direction. So a little, uh, little switcheroo. Okay, I appreciate that. It is Friday the thirteenth. You know, good grief. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Amidst the craziness and unprecedentedness of 2020 headlined by COVID, Jason. We've seen so many cancellations, postponements, rescheduling of games and significantly important sporting events. But this weekend, in a way, we are being sports blessed as two of the greatest sporting events, the Masters and college football, cross over. I'm looking forward to this. And we're in the middle of it, Jason. That's right. We get the Masters college football crossover and it just so happens that we've been blessed with BYU on a buy, allowing us as Cougar fans a chance to sit back and enjoy the show. As a primer for the weekend, we give you a tradition greater than any other. BYU football, Masters Moments. Yes, Jason, we start back in the year 1980, when, like Bryson DeChambeau on the tee box, Jim McMahon unleashed a bomb as BYU finishes a miracle bowl come. Brigham Young has been here for every one of these bowls. Lost to Navy the first one. Lost by one point to Indiana last year. Down by six now. Three seconds left. Third and ten at the SMU 41-yard line. McMahon all the way back to his own 46. Throwing for the end zone. Receivers are there. Defenders are there. It is in the end zone. Who has the ball? BYU. Touchdown. Unbelievable. Oh, wow. Touchdown. Unbelievable. Touchdown, Brigham Young. An unforgettable moment, Jason. Exhilarating, to say the least. And every BYU fan can tell you exactly where they were when, like Tiger Woods with his 2005 chip shot on the 16th, John Beck took his time and the long route to a winning throw, finding Johnny Harleen in the end zone at Utah. 
One play for it all. Utah staying in their prevent, staying back. There's room out there. Kali, Mawika, Harleen, Allen, the receivers in the set. Beck's in the gun with Brown. This should be the last snap of the football game. Snap to John. John backpedals. Plenty of time. Plenty of time. He's looking left, shuffling, shuffling all kinds of time. Now the heat comes. He's got to run to the right. Beck is on the run. He throws behind him. It is caught for the touchdown. Caught for the touchdown. Caught for the touchdown. Johnny Harleen got it for the score. Harleen by himself in the end zone. The Cougars win it on the final play of the game. It's one of the best days of my entire life. Or how about the time that, like BYU's own Mike Weir, is a huge underdog. Ty Detmer and the Cougars took down the defending champions and top-ranked Hurricanes of Miami. Second and goal to seven-yard line. Cougar quarterback Ty Detmer, only a junior. Looking to pass for a touchdown. Bounces out of the pocket. Waiting, waiting. Here's the pass. Touchdown. And you've got to give Ty Denton credit again because he just danced all over the place. They couldn't bring him down, and he finally threw to the end zone. All of those moments deserve a green jacket, Jason. The gallery loved it. Those are your BYU football master's moments. All right. Golf clap. That golf was clap. fantastic. Golf clap. And that's too loud for a golf clap. Golf clap. Well, well done. That was fantastic. Well, well done. <laughs> That was, it was so hard to keep a straight face. Oh my gosh! Because there's so much energy and excitement in those <laughs> moments. It reminds me of the commercial that Geico put out. Yes. When the kraken. Yes, the kraken has attacked yes. the island green, and people are in the tentacles, <laughs> being thrown about. Whatever. The, voice, the voiceover guy's like, "This course is electric." <laughs> That makes me want to hear more highlights in golf voices because that was that was so good. Oh, hey, uh, do we have? Oh, the oh, do, do we have? Do we go back into? Oh, how about this? I think we all remember 2015. Just off of his mission, a young Tanner Mangum in Lincoln against the Cornhuskers. Last play of the game. Snap Tanner. Backpedal, sprint out to the right. He's got time, loads up, launches it, goes for the end zone. The ball's in the air and it drops at the goal line. I think he caught it for a touchdown. He got it. He got it. He got it. Touchdown, Mitch Matthews. The Cougars win it. The Cougars win it. Yes, yes, Greg Bell. Yes, Greg Bell. It's majestic. I mean, just an unbelievable, <laughs> as you said, Jason, majestic call of. A oh, top great. five moment in BYU football. That is so funny. <laughs> <laughs> he got it. He got, he got it. it. Mitch Matthews caught it for the touchdown. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> I, I just love the golf claps in the bag after the touchdown. The yes. Detmer. The, the birds chirping. And or, then, the, or the, oh. Yes. <laughs> yes. The gasp of the crowd. And then there are, like, in golf, there are moments of silence, right? Oh, yeah. So I love particularly during the Miami play where Ty Detmer's under center, and then you just hear, like, the ambiance of the birds. You hear the plane flying over. <laughs> <laughs> and then Ty takes the snap. Oh, that's, that's great. well done. Shout that out to our crew. That, that, uh, that was fantastic. Well done. Made Friday the 13th way better, right? Amen.
That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. And catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio. BYU.